0: going on everybody welcome to episode 225 of the dfs dose podcast your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis i'm your host ben Hover, joined as i always am by joey carrion and on today's show we are going to be doing the second edition of late round targets for this off season. Talked about this a few episodes ago. Some of the guys we're targeting and things have changed. You know, some of the guys we talked about are no longer late round targets. For example, Cameron Bray is no longer a late round target. Antonio Brown is not playing this year. So we're going to talk about some, (laughs) some guys that are still going at the end of drafts that are good to capitalize on. And um, we'll get to that shortly before we do though, Joey, I think it's time for another edition of the Random Question Generator. You know, we always like to start off the shows with a, with a little topic about the culture, maybe about our lives, but our lives are in shamble and the culture is dead right now. So instead, <laughs> let's, let's just uh, play the Random, random Question Generator.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right, first question. It's just a li- just a random list I'll-, I'll just randomly pick one here. What's something that you believe you'll never be able to do well? That's a pretty deep question.
0: Mm, something I'll never be able to do well. Uh maintain healthy relationships. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs>
0: um what's something that you never seem to get tired of doing?
1: definitely have a couple i i never get tired of watching tv shows that i like i never get tired of you know hanging out with the boys mm-hmm. and i never get tired of uh talking about or or playing fantasy football oh that was an easy question i need some hard-hitting questions okay okay can you explain love can i explain love jesus <laughs> you know i think love is is different for everybody right I think that love is uh, doing anything for your person, right? Okay. Being able to put them above yourselves and put their needs above yourselves and ultimately just caring for them and, and being there for them is how I would classify love. I, and I think that's how I would want people to show me love is just to be there for me, to, to trust me, or I should be able to trust them. Ultimately, just make my life better. Is how I would classify love.
0: Care and support. Okay, yeah, I l- I like that. What do you got?
1: What's your biggest first world problem?
0: Probably being too broke to not max enter every best ball tournament. <laughs> because that shit puts me under pressure every single day. Like I'm stressing. Like I can only get fifty entries in this thing, and then I'll be sitting stressing about that all day. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's you know children in Africa who don't have water. So
1: really yeah, that's... puts things <laughs> into
0: perspective. <laughs>
1: That's def- <laughs> That's definitely a first world problem for sure.
0: <laughs> Ooh, this is a good one. At what age did you think you became an adult and then when did you actually? So the implication is that you thought you were before you were.
1: Yeah, I thought I became an adult around like 21 mm-hmm. for sure because that's just like the arbitrary number that the world Kind of just sets for you or the United States, I should say, sets for you in terms of, quote unquote, becoming an adult. But I still think to this day, I'm still learning how to become an adult, you know, still 24, Mm -hmm. still learning things, still going through things. And obviously, I'm I'm an adult and I got bills and shit that I got to do and take care of. But I think, I don't know, maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I'm not there yet interesting that's a, that's a really introspective answer i
0: definitely thought i was an adult before i was i mean i moved out of the house when i was 18 into an apartment with my girlfriend in a different city than where i grew up so at that point i was like all right i'm i'm as you know independent and adult as it gets but definitely took years after that point to to really settle in
1: yeah sometimes it just doesn't feel like you are right but i'm also a little bit younger than you. But yeah, for me so, sometimes it just doesn't feel like i am and it's like what the fuck am i doing? I, th- uh, I think
0: even adults feel that, you know, like real yeah. adults. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, for sure. All right. This is this is a this is a fun question and you know, it kind of plays in recently Ben told me to start watching the show The Boys, which is about superhero superheroes and this question is about superheroes. So, would the world be better or worse if superheroes existed.
0: I would say probably worse. I mean, going right into The Boys, I think The Boys does a fantastic job of, you know, giving a realistic perspective of of what that would be like, unlike, you know, popular franchises like the Avengers and stuff, which are obviously, you know, great movies and stuff like that with good stories, but I don't think it's necessarily as realistic as what The Boys do in the way that they show how, like, capitalism would be you know, taking advantage of that the same way they do with it does with anything. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the boys and I don't know how far you are into it, but it, I mean, I don't think that uh, I don't think that it's necessarily making the world a better place in that show. And that's kind of how I would see things playing
1: out. Yeah, no, I I, I think I would tend to agree. I mean, obviously they'd reduce crime, but like you worded it perfectly capitalism would uh eventually catch up to it and they would just try to profit off the superheroes and it'd probably be a total mess uh for sure
0: what's the most recent life lesson you've learned
1: I've learned a lot of life lessons over the last two months. I've learned that you can't expect people to move the way you do. I've learned that you always have to be focused on improving yourself, working on yourself, and making sure you're straight. And ultimately, I've learned that, you know, without proper healing and growing, you're never going to get through something. Mm. So those are kind of like the three big lessons that I've learned over the last two months of my life. And I think those are those are lessons that, you know, I needed to learn because it's going to get me to where I eventually want to be. So it's like everything in life is just about perspective. Bad shit happens to everybody. It's it's just a simple fact of life. We've talked about it a bunch on here, you know, ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It's life. Same thing with DFS and ball and whatnot. Some weeks you're, you're going to have terrible weeks and that that can happen 4 or 5 6 weeks in a row. But it's all about how you bounce back from it and what you learn from it. No
0: mistakes in life only lessons. Yeah.
1: So, can't get can't get stuck on the past. You got to you got to keep on going and and look for the future and keep on growing. That's what I've learned over the last 2 months for sure.
0: You want you want to know what I've learned?
1: What have you learned?
0: Can't trust these bitches. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's a joke. Um, what's the quickest way for you to lose respect for someone? That's a good one.
1: Well, I think that the biggest reason that I would lose respect for somebody is just them not being genuine. Oh, yeah. You know, just consistently lying or lying to themselves or just putting on an act around you and a lot of people do that you know a lot of people act differently around certain people and whatnot that would never be me but I, I definitely tend to lose a little bit of respect for people who do that for sure you know sometimes it is necessary you know you, you do have to adapt to your surroundings especially if you're at work or something like all right that's fine you, you got to do what you got to do you got to make money but when it comes to like friendships and relationships like that's just a no-go for me like if you can't be gen- genuine with the people in your life and, and be honest like I simply just don't respect you as a person
0: yeah i think that one of my problems is that i give respect out too freely like the baseline for me is respect and trust where maybe that should be earned instead of the automatic default you know what i mean yeah like maybe i set myself up to be losing respect for people too often instead of setting myself in a spot where they are earning it first i don't
1: know yeah that i mean that's definitely hard to do I think I think that you need to find a good balance of just having some respect because you know if you're just meeting random people obviously everybody deserves a certain level of respect but that level can't be too high you know so I'll be respectful and I won't be a douchebag pretty much to just random people or whatnot obviously just because that's just being a good person like i would never do that never do that to a server or anything i don't get how people are just assholes to to random people especially like people doing their jobs or whatnot so yeah you get you get that automatic level of respect but i'm not gonna you know respect you to the fullest where like if you do something that wrongs me like i won't say anything to you about it even if i don't know you Mm -hmm. you get what i'm saying absolutely so it's like if that worker comes at me so going throwing it back, if that worker comes at me, you bet your ass I'm going right back at you 10 times harder. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that that's maybe a fault of mine, maybe a, a flaw, but that's just how I move. You'll get the you'll get the the respect that I think everybody should get. I'm not going to fucking put you on this pedestal and and think you deserve the utmost respect in the world, you know, just because you're this person or just because you're older. Like, you know, they say respect your elders. Like, if you don't respect me, I respect respecting you. period
0: yeah i don't I don't give a shit what year you were born to be honest <laughs> yeah I truly don't
1: all right close us out
0: one final one
1: <clears throat> what's stopping you myself yeah i think I think that's the chalk answer,
0: right I mean it has to be especially for, sure. for people in our positions where you know we're not rich, but we're not at the point where it's like our financials are are dictating our lives i I feel like where it's like it's really all mental. That is the the blockade, you know, we could do anything that we put our mind to it's whether it's a lack of motivation or a lack of self-confidence or a lack of clarity on the path that you need to take. It is all internal and mental in terms of, of the biggest obstacles for me personally.
1: No, for for sure. That's definitely the most chalk answer. You know, if anybody's listening, I hope they've been answering these questions themselves.
0: That'd be dope. Oh, yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear some answers uh, from the listeners. If you guys want to, you know, pop in the Discord, let us know what you think or, or hit us up on Twitter or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's a- it's always fun to, to do these questions and get a little bit deep and explain more of our personality outside of fantasy football which i think is fun and it's important i i think to uh, connect with people people might feel the same way people might be different i hope everybody out there was answering these questions as well it's all it's always fun to do these we've done it like three times now over the last like two or three years so once in a while but it's always fun
0: yep gotta love the random question generator always always sets you up for for a good bit i I would say I, i do enjoy doing these as well but let's move on now and uh and, and talk some fantasy football. It's what the people tune in for, Joey. And let me ask you a question. Where where are drafts won?
1: Drafts are won in the late rounds.
0: They are. Right. You're not winning your draft because you took Jonathan Taylor. Everybody's got Jonathan Taylor. But how are you getting different? How are, how are you getting unique in your rosters? One way is through correlations and ADP reaches and, and stuff like that that we've talked about in the past. But another way is by finding players that aren't getting drafted 100% of the time. You know, ownership leverage goes back to DFS, which ultimately a lot of these ball tournaments are small field dfs tournaments by the end of the year so by finding these guys that are low ownership that aren't popular that aren't being drafted in every draft you can get unique teams so we've picked a couple of guys that we wanted to talk about this is the second time we've done this show the two that i picked last time i stand by and i'm still drafting but i just i wanted to pick some different guys but i will say Terrace marshall and Dearness Johnson are the two that I that I talked about on the last episode, if you want to hear the explanation on those guys. And uh, I do stand by them. But but who's somebody right now in the end of June, beginning of July, mm. that is a late round target for you in best ball?
1: I, I think on the first edition, uh, you mentioned that I said Cameron Bright. Mm-hmm. Got that right. Smashed it. So His ADP is so up like
0: 50 spots.
1: Yeah. So hopefully everybody hopped on that. But obviously, Antonio Brown, I got to take the hell on that. Yeah, he's he's I gotta, not playing I it got publicly, publicly, this year. <laughs> I got to publicly take my L on Antonio Brown. But as it is with all these guys, doesn't really matter because a lot of these guys probably aren't going to give you a lot of weeks where they make your lineup and the opportunity cost is so low. So I'll take the L on AB. But then again, he was a last round pick, an 18th, 19th, 20th round pick.
0: I, I think the theory was good. You know, the upside was a lot higher than a lot of the guys there if he did play and him not playing was always part of the equation. But that's the that's baked into the price and why you wanted to take that risk. So I'm not faulting you for the, uh, you know, the process there.
1: Yeah. So with that being said, I have a couple that I like currently and my first player that I think you should be taking some Dart throws on in the later rounds. Obviously, in Best Ball Mania, there's only 18, but in Superflex and on Drafters and DraftKings, there's 20 rounds. So you could definitely take a shot on Mike Davis. Mike Davis is currently going as the RB84 on Underdog at an ADP of 215.8. So the second to last pick of the 18th round. And I just think that Mike Davis is a solid long shot buy in fantasy, especially on a site like Underdog where receptions aren't valued as much strictly because of the running back situation in Baltimore. Okay, so J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both coming off torn ACLs from last year, obviously. Both of them happened in the preseason so the assumption would be that they would both be ready to go for the start of 2022 but it may not be that simple i think that there could be a good chance that both of them aren't ready for week one and there's a good chance that both of them could end up on the pup list which would make them miss four games instead of six because they changed the rules uh this year if if you didn't know with jk dobbins His ACL injury, obviously, you know, nine to 11 month recovery, but there was also some LCL damage and that was very similar to Saquon's injury. And we saw Saquon come back last year and not be effective at all. So I think the timetable for J.K. Dobbins is a little bit longer than Gus Edwards. And I think that Gus Edwards definitely has a higher chance of being ready for week one than J.K. Dobbins. But some fantasy doctors across the the fantasy football space have speculated that they don't believe either one of them will be ready. So that would essentially leave Mike Davis as the running back one on the depth chart. Obviously, he's not the running back one on the team because that's Lamar Jackson. But he should still be in line for, I think, some significant opportunity if these two guys weren't able to go. And, you know, just two years ago, he showed that he does have some upside in fantasy. Obviously, last year he busted. But it's all about cost right? It's all about cost and fantasy football. We came on this pod pretty much a year ago to the month and we said Mike Davis was the easiest fade of the entire season. I tweeted that. I know that for a fact. Mike Davis was the easiest fade of last year going as a fourth round pick. Now he's an 18th round pick, could see opportunity early in the season and make your lineup, you know, one, two or three times in that first month, month and a half of the year. And, you know, God forbid anything goes wrong and they have setbacks, you could get him in your lineup later in the season. And I think he's a valuable RB5 or RB6. And, you know, it's just kind of a conversation about can we forget about last year and maybe his lack of talent and just project what he could do for this year as a factor in that offense. And I think he will see some opportunity.
0: And reportedly the the thought process of the Ravens right now is that they want to get back to their glory days where they ran the ball in just an absolute fuck ton. And, and Mike Davis could absolutely be a huge part of that, especially if one or both of Dobbins and Edwards aren't ready to go at the beginning of the season, like you said. So he's kind of like the inverse of some of the guys that we tend to target, like guys that we think can, you know, really hit their stride towards the end of the year, like rookies or injured players like Gallup or Odell Beckham, etc. where where Mike Davis could have his best weeks in the beginning of the season when those guys are are not fully healthy or not on the field period but i still think that that's valuable you know getting those those early season points and mike davis makes a ton of sense from that perspective
1: yeah and there there was a a nice article written by um zachary engberg of sports injury central which is the pro football docs website about sports injuries and it details the you know reasons why that these two players might not be ready to go for Week One, and they give health scores for players coming off injuries. And Dobbins' health score is a forty-seven, which which is pretty low. And Pro Football Doc kind of does expect at least Dobbins to be on the Pub list to start the year.
0: Yep, definitely agree with you on that one. A guy that I've found myself drafting lately uh, as a late-round dart throw is Chris Evans, aka Captain America. He is the second round running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, currently going as RB64 on underdog with an ADP of 207. So he's a final round pick, 18th round pick on underdog. And the thesis with with Chris Evans is that the backup to Joe Mixon is, is not being drafted right now. You know, it's either going to be Evans... Or Samaj P Ryan, we know that P Ryan's upside is extremely limited, and P Ryan got work at, at points last year. There was an article written in the Athletic by Paul Denner that you know states that he believes Chris Evans has the chance to supplant Samaj P Ryan as the Bengals' third down back. And that is a valuable role, especially if we see the trend continue of Mixon coming off of the field in passing situations. He noted in this article that, you know, Mixon went from averaging 5.3 third down snaps per game over the first six down all the way to 1.8 for the final nine games that the Bengals played. So there was a drastic shift in the way that they used Joe Mixon. I think this is the reason why they drafted Chris Evans last year was for him to become a pass-catching back in this offense we saw joe burrow really uh utilize pass catching backs in-, in college specifically ceh when he had his great year evans was actually very electric as a pass catcher had 2.11 yards per route run which is you know phenomenal for a running back uh, a rookie at that little competition for him to jump up the depth chart and become the rb2 become mixon's primary backup instead of Samaj p ryan All he really needs to do is is become a better pass blocker than he was as a rookie, which is something that rookies often struggle with. So I wouldn't be surprised for him to take that leap. I, I don't view him necessarily as a Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison type, where if Mixon goes down, he steps in and becomes a workhorse. I view him more as like a very cheap version of Naheem Hines, where I think he could have an every week role that could expand slightly if Mixon were ever to go down, but that could be a valuable role as a guy catching a lot of passes on third downs in a good offense, even a better offense than Naheem Hines is in. And his price tag is essentially free. So I think there are a lot of reasons to be drafting Chris Evans. And as long as he's going in the 17th, 18th round, I'm going to continue to take shots on him.
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily love Chris Evans just because obviously he's the RB3 on the depth chart. But like you said, there may be a chance that he leapfrogs Samajay Ryan on the depth chart and becomes that backup change of pace running back in that Bengals offense obviously there's still a lot of competition for touches and joe mixon showed last year that he can be a total workhorse you know he was top three in the nfl in terms of touches at the running back position so i don't necessarily love him i think he's a fine dart throw obviously you would need a lot of things to work out but if we're just comparing like mike davis to chris evans like Personally, I'm taking Mike Davis over Chris Evans 10 out of 10 times just because I think that Mike Davis making your lineup uh, over the course of 17 weeks is more likely than Chris Evans making your lineup over 17 weeks. Now, obviously, I don't know how high Chris Evans ceiling is. Nobody does. So so maybe if he gets the opportunity, he, he could flash, but I, I, I just, think just one for one. I think he's
0: one. no different than guys like McKissick or Naheem Hines. Except he's on a better offense than both and he's cheaper.
1: I think the difference is is that he's not going to play. Um That's the that's that's the difference, Ben. He's not guaranteed to have that pass down role like Naheem Hines and McKissick do. Obviously Joe Mixon plays well in the passing game, and then Samaj P. Ryan is, is above him. So there's just no guarantee that he's even going to be on the field in twenty twenty two. Uh and I and I think the most likeliest outcome is that he barely plays at all in in 2022. So I just think for that reason, I think Mike Davis just one for one is is a better 18th round selection, for sure.
0: That is fair. Let's take a break before we get to our final two players, just to remind the people that drafters just launched a $2.22 best ball tournament, paying 10K to first. It's a great cheap entry point for new players. If you have never used drafters.com, it is a great twist on best ball. It's total points. There's no playoff structure. It's just who scores the most points out of all of these teams, cheap entry price. And if you use promo code DOSE, When making your first deposit of at least $10, they'll give you a free $20 to use in your account as you see fit. That is essentially 10 free entries into their new tournament, 10 free shots at 10 k when you use promo code DOS for first depositors. Sounds like a pretty uh, good way to spend your money, if, if I'm being completely honest.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, Joey, talk about your final late-round target uh, for this episode here.
1: I mean, kind of like a player like Chris Evans uh, that in in regards to he's probably never going to make your lineup. But hear me out now. Oh, God. Johnu Smith as a late-round tight end dart throw in best ball this year. How do you feel about it?
0: I feel like I've had enough heartbreak in my life (laughs) recently, and and I think back to how much I loved – janu smith last year how much we loved janu smith last mm-hmm. year i mean we were taking janu and, and hunter henry at a crazy clip because they were both insane values last year one of those worked out hunter henry and one of those was a massive failure in Johnu smith whose season was incredibly disappointing why are you buying the bounce back after the patriots added even more weapons and, and target competition um what's going to be different for janu this year in your opinion
1: yeah i just think that the The competition that they added, obviously, through the draft and, and through Devontae Parker, those guys in the draft, we don't have to worry about them, right? They're not going to play. Devontae Parker, I think, definitely will have a role on the team for sure. But I also really do believe, and we talked about it last episode, that the Patriots are going to open up the offense more in year two of Mac Jones. I think that they're going to be more willing to let him throw the ball and put games in the hands of Mac Jones which they did kind of to a certain extent last year, but not really. And I think that as a tight end 33... according to underdog ADP at an ADP of 215. So second to last pick in the 18th round. I think that his athletic profile and just the upside of him as a player is extremely high, especially at the tight end position. I think he makes for a perfect tight end three dart throw for sure. And I ultimately think that the Patriots invested a lot of money in him. And I think everybody in the organization understands that he was a disappointment last year. And i also. Think they understand that he wasn't used correctly uh, in the offense. His snap share kind of was a result of that. He really didn't play that much towards the end of the season because they just went to more one tight end sets. And obviously that was Hunter Henry, but they still invested $31 million guaranteed into John U. Smith last year. You know, they, they gave him a four year, $50 million deal. He's still like the highest paid player on the Patriots offense right now. And I just think that organizationally, they know that they have to make it work out and they have to get him more involved because he has the talent. We've seen it. We, we've seen flashes from John U. Smith in his career. He has the talent to be a productive player in the NFL. I just think that the Patriots need to put him in a better situation. And I think that will be an emphasis this year. And his cost, obviously, has never been lower. At the end of the day, it's the tight end position. Right. And if you're taking three late round guys, uh, which a lot of the data points to being kind of optimal, I don't think you can go wrong with taking a flyer on, you know, an athletic upside tight end in, in John U. Smith when he's going around guys such as CJ Uzoma, Greg Dolchich, Adam Troutman, Dan Arnold, Ricky Seals Jones. Tyler Conklin all of these guys are the same but I, I think Jonu Smith just from a contract standpoint and from an athletic standpoint I, I think he's probably the best of the bunch and you're not investing a lot of capital and it's a position where it's like you really just need him to score a touchdown and he's making your lineup
0: let me give you a couple of numbers that I'm reading right now on Jonu Smith that are actually encouraging for one I didn't realize this Hunter Henry only averaged 1.76 more targets per game than Johnu Smith. Johnu had a 31% target rate on his pass routes, which was first in the league of tight ends that ran more than 100 routes. So he was out there. He was getting targeted a decent bit. The problem is just that it wasn't in the red zone. He had one touchdown, Hunter Henry's nine. So if he gets utilized a little bit more in scoring position, I think there's absolutely reason to believe that that he could pay off that price tag which it, like you said is essentially free and he's definitely a player that I think people have completely forgotten about or or at least written off so I'm I'm might be uh on board with you on this one actually kind of kind of like John was a dart thrown out
1: <laughs> yeah I mean obviously 45 targets isn't that much 28 catches, 294 yards, and like you said, one touchdown. But the Patriots only ran two tight end sets, like 14% of their plays. So I think if we see an uptick in that, I think we could see John and Hunter Henry on the field more at the same time. And, you know, if you believe that the Patriots are going to throw the ball a little bit more than they did last year, John Smith could, could definitely be a beneficiary of that. And, yeah, I mean, he's just very cheap. <laughs> so, that's really I'm what shots it comes
0: down to yeah he, he is yeah. cheap he's free i also want to say like hunter henry remains a value as well but this isn't really the the subject of that podcast but i mean tight end 17 adp 151 i've been drafting a ton of henry as well i mean i think they're both yeah. they're both buys once again yeah All right, the last guy that I'm going to talk about for this show is Zamir White, rookie running back for the Las Vegas Raiders, going as the RB62 ADP 203. We mentioned him briefly on an episode a couple of weeks ago, talking on the ADP market report. He was a guy getting some good buzz in camp and started to move up, but he hasn't moved up too far, still going past pick 200. And, you know, all things point for this, this Raiders team to be splitting up the back field a little bit more, you know, even quotes from Josh Jacobs about wanting the other running backs on the team to be utilized, which makes sense as Josh Jacobs has struggled with injuries every year of his career, I think puts Zamir White, who got decent draft capital in a position to succeed from Vic to four of the athletic, you know, he speculated that Josh McDaniels may believe that rookie Zamir White is already the superior option right now in terms of the running back room, We know that Kenyon Drake is still not healthy. He hasn't been cleared to practice in June yet. Josh Jacobs is not ever going to be the guy who is out there on all three downs. He's not going to be the pass catcher. I think Zamir White comes with a unique sort of profile where he can be on the field and be the primary guy spelling Josh Jacobs and then be the primary backup if Jacobs were ever to go down, which seems to happen a lot. Kenyon Drake also, whatever role he ends up playing is a guy who's never been able to stay healthy and it's been a little while since he's been productive to be honest so i i just think mm-hmm. that taking a shot on a rookie who profiles as a good pass catcher who profiles as a burner, you know, uh, 96 percentile 40 yard dash, 95th percentile speed score. He's an athletic guy. He's got good size, six foot 214. I just think it makes a lot of sense, especially for a Raiders team that should be in a plethora of high scoring games in that division with three of the best offenses in the NFL. So um, mm-hmm. Zamir White, cheap rookie running back. We know rookies get better as the season progresses. I love taking shots on Zamir White as a final round pick, sort of RB5 type dart throw.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely love Zamir White for all of the reasons that you mentioned. And, you know, we're just taking a look at the offensive scheme. Obviously, Josh McDaniels comes from New England uh, to Las Vegas. And what do the Patriots love to do more than any other team?
0: Feature Use every running back run- on the roster.
1: <laughs> Use multiple running backs every single week so obviously making making general comparisons probably isn't good uh just from a fantasy football sense but what if zamir white plays that james white role right that change of pace pass down back uh for that raiders team and like you said Kenyon drake still dealing with his injury and hasn't really worked out for him <laughs> uh recently uh but i will say zamir white only had 17 career catches he did but he
0: did he wasn't utilized I that way in college, part- but the the scouts believe that he can be in the pros. Yeah,
1: yeah, I believe that a lot of colleges just don't throw the ball to their running backs a lot uh they're not utilized in the passing game and i don't necessarily knock them if they don't have a lot of catches coming out like just because you don't have a lot of catches doesn't mean you don't have the ability
0: yeah you've said that a lot throughout the years yeah
1: i don't i don't want to get into it but like if if you put me out there and i run a two-yard out route like a two-yard dump off like catch you're catching the ball period um <laughs> but that's neither here nor there <laughs> But yeah, either way, I think he is a nice long shot dart throw in the last round of drafts and like you said, uh the these two guys in front of him have dealt with injuries pretty much every year of their career, so there could be a time where Zamir White is the only healthy running back available and in- we'll probably be playing him on DraftKings that week too. Oh so, yeah.
0: You're, you're so, telling yes. me we're not going to get a Josh Jacobs injury in like week 7, Zamir White's going to be like 4.8k and we're yep. jamming him into every lineup? Like I already see yep. it
1: happening. Yep. So I, I honestly, how I think about it and I don't know if it's right or not, I think that with these late round guys, these 17th 18th plus round guys, I just want to take the players that A, either have the chance to workhorse potential or B, players that I need Know, can make my lineup at least one week of the season. Because if I can get a, a week out of Mike Davis or Zamir White where they make my lineup and give me 12 to 13 points. I'll consider that a W for an 18th round pick.
0: Well, yeah, because the vast majority won't be making people's lineup. Yeah.
1: So. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So that's really just what I'm looking for: is what guys can make my lineup the most. So that's why I'll, I'll stay away from from some of these absolute scrubs that I that I know some people are drafting.
0: Yep, we don't draft scrubs over here. We draft Janu Smith and Mike Davis.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I no, guarantee I'm, just, you, I'm fucking with you. I like those. guys I too. guarantee. This is the last thing I'll say on this pod. I guarantee Mike Davis and Jonu Smith will make your lineup one week out of these 17 weeks. Guaranteed. I think Mike Davis will easily have a 15-plus point game early in the season. He'll score like a touchdown or two. And then I think Jonu Smith will have a game where he scores like two touchdowns and make your lineup. And then, to me, that's worth it.
0: All right, you guys heard it here first. That is a Joey Carrion guarantee right at an ink tattoo it on your body it's gonna happen
1: my last guarantee was antonio brown playing football though so maybe don't take it that serious yeah
0: maybe write it maybe (laughs) don't don't tattoo it yeah maybe write it in a pencil that you can erase
1: later (laughs) (laughs) hey i i own up to all my takes
0: indeed indeed you do and Look, guys, that's going to be it for episode 225 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on in the podcast, you can join the inner circle via our free Discord channel. The link to join that is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic box.